All right. It is a little tough talking about money in church because there's so many like bozos out there, you know, truly religious folks who are manipulating their congregations to get money and build these empires. And you've seen all the stereotypical stuff over the last, you know, 30 years. You got pastors in church with jets and riding Bentleys and, um, you know, the preachers with sneakers, social media. Have you seen that? All right. Pretty cool. Check it out. It just kind of calls out preachers who are wearing thousand dollar sneakers. And uh, so I was real careful this morning to wear my most expensive pair of shoes that I had ever bought in my life. These are it. Most expensive pairs of shoes I've ever bought in my life. My wife's there. She was there when I got them. They are, what are they, Jen? They're Borns. So kind of like, can I wear Borns? Am I hip enough to wear Borns? And there they were, Nordstrom's Rack, 69 bucks. I'm getting most expensive shoes I've ever worn, 69 bucks. So I just had to make sure of that today because there is a lot of abuse out there. I mean, truly, there really is. And not only is there abuse out there in terms of manipulating congregations to give money, quote, to God as huge empires are built and and pastors making a ton of money, but there's also a manipulation of the scripture to promise people, hey, listen, you will be prosperous if you follow these rules. You will be prosperous. You'll get more money if you give money to the church all these false promises, and it really, you know, there's a collective, like, global eye roll, like, okay, yeah, you know, we're over that. And I totally, totally agree with that. So we try as best we can to be a bozo-free zone, although what just happened up here, you know, I I can't necessarily say that anymore. But we really do try. And we really try to operate with full integrity and full transparency and without any manipulation. That is our our goal, and I think we do a pretty good job delivering on that. So here's what we're going to do today. Today, we're going to talk about the vast biblical teaching on how to manage money in a way that makes our lives better. That's the goal, to make our lives better. The Bible talks about money a ton. Jesus mentions money dozens of times, not to manipulate crowds to to get more donations at all. That's not the point of the scriptural teaching at all. The point of it is to make our lives better because so much of our lives are driven by how we manage money. Steve mentioned that earlier. We're managing money every day. We don't just manage our annual budgets. We're managing money every day, especially as, you know, prices go up and prices, no, prices go up and prices go up and they go up and we have to manage every single day. It is like what? 62 degrees in the Treadway house right now because natural gas costs $1,000 a month. now. I mean, it's just crazy. We've got to manage money all the time. Every time we spend or go grocery shopping, we're managing money. So it's a big part of our lives. And a lot of stress can happen because of money management as well. And God just wants our lives to be better. He wants our lives not to be driven by the stress of money. He wants us to have, you know, really kind of, you know, as he says, light and easy lives. You know, you come to me, you adopt the values, and you will have a light and easy life. And how about that for an invitation? A light and easy life money management life. That's what we're talking about today. Here's one example of of Jesus teaching about money. Luke 12, 15. Jesus said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. That is beautiful teaching. Life is not measured by how much you own. So Jesus is looking around and he's just watching people grabbing for more money and more money and more money so they can present themselves as successful or present themselves as, you know, somebody who's got it all together. And and Jesus says, you're trying to measure your life by how much you earn and, and what you own, and your life is just being robbed. 
You're so much more than what you earn and so much more than what you buy. So Jesus is trying to get that, that real lifestyle of peace as we sort of decouple ourselves from this struggle for more and more and more. And so these principles that we're gonna talk about today are, are for everybody, rich, poor, everybody in between, young, old, if you're retired or you haven't made a dime in your life because you're nine years old, get some of these things in your brain today because if you get these in your brain when you're nine or 15 and you start practicing these things from the earliest days, I'm telling you, you will live a life at so much peace so let's get going on this. First of all, I want us to, to understand that money, I brought a ton with me today, 20 bucks. Um, money is just a symbol. It's all it is. This is just a symbol and nothing more. Did a little research on this $20 bill. It cost the US government 7.5 cents to print this bill. This costs 7.5 cents. So why isn't this worth 7.5 cents? because we've just made an agreement as a society that this is going to symbolize something more than the value of its printing. We've just decided this is gonna be a symbol. This is a symbol of my labor. This is a symbol of my you know, intellectual you know, property and problem solving at work, right? So I work a job and this is a symbol that represents that value. And then I'm gonna take this symbol that represents the value of my work and I'm gonna give this symbol to another person because this represents the value of their goods and services that I want. Because there's two options. We either bargain and barter with stuff in the marketplace or we use a symbol to be the mediator. So I can go to you know, Old Town Market this morning and barter for eggs, right? Uh, you have some eggs from your farm. What a value can I give to you, sir, um, for those eggs? Uh, let me preach you a sermon. No, that's not a, that's not, not, I, don't, I don't want that, right? I don't want that. So, hmm, but, but this $20, I can buy some eggs. Yes, you can buy two of them for $20. All right, well, I guess that's the deal these days. So money really is, is just a symbol. That's all it is. So if we can just kind of understand that what we're doing here and the whole system that we're in every single day is just trading symbols for goods and services that represent the value of those and the value of our labor. And that's really all it is. What it feels like is something entirely different. It feels like I need to, I need to get more. And it feels like, oh, that new thing I want. And, and how can I leverage and how can I maybe borrow and get what I want? It feels so much more than just a simple system to exchange goods for labor. So I think what we can do is just start by it, my, like intellectualizing the whole monetary system. It's just a trading vehicle, that's all it is. And I need some things to shelter my family, clothe my family, feed my family, maybe have fun every once in a while, that's all that is. And we use money to do it. Just make it simpler in our heads. Because this is not just a symbol of goods and services and labor, this is a symbol of our heart, of our heart. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 21, he says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So Jesus is saying, money is not just a symbol of good services and labor, it's a symbol of our heart. Where our money goes, our heart goes. Our money goes where our heart goes. That's just the way it is. So do some thinking right now, just to yourself, about where your heart goes, because you know where your heart goes by where your money goes. And for most of us, our heart goes to our household. And that's right, and that's good. Providing for our family, that's Number one line item, providing for our family, the basics. 
house, food, clothes, transportation. Our heart is to provide for our family. So you talk about the top line of our budget, it is providing for our family. For a lot of people, that is somewhere around 70 to 80% of our budget. House, transportation, food, utilities, clothes, that stuff. And then if you have kids, the next biggest item is kid stuff, kid stuff. And kid stuff is, is remarkably expensive. Kids, you are remarkably expensive, so worth it. You're like a quarter million dollars each, just looking around. Every kid's a quarter million, that's how much it costs to, to, to raise you, that's just like an average. But then you add to that all the stuff that kids wanna do and all the stuff that parents want kids to do. And it's all good stuff, and it's all fun stuff, and we participate in it as well. You know, sports, entertainment, and groups, and parties, and all this stuff, it's just, it's a lot of money, that's big. That's where our heart is. Heart is with our kids, and so we, we put money in that direction. Now, after providing for our family and after kids stuff, there's the what's left money, the what's left money. After you've paid all your bills, all the expenses are, are done for your household and your kids, what's left? 50% of Americans have less than $250 left after the bills are paid, 250 bucks, that's, so that's normal. So if you're saying, I don't really have any what's left money, it's totally normal, 100% normal, right? So don't feel bad about that. Maybe at some point you'll have some what's left money, but for most people, there's just not a lot there. And then there's fun money fun money. That's the stuff you do just for kicks. That's eating out, vacations, toys, that kind of stuff, right? That's the, that's the fun money. So our heart goes where our values are. The problem with that is sometimes our heart is chasing after more and chasing after more and chasing after more. So what ends up happening is we stretch to get more. And when we stretch, that's when we get in trouble. Now, the entire U.S. economy is built on us stretching to get more. The entire economy. When you're watching football playoff games today, every commercial is asking you to stretch to get more stuff, right? And it's so appealing. I'm telling you, two days ago, uh, Apple HomePods dropped into my email. Apple owns a piece of my soul. I mean, truly owns a piece of my soul. I drew the line a little while ago. I want to get details because I don't want <clears throat> to be judgy, but I drew the line on, on Apple products a little while ago. Then I saw these HomePods and I saw this commercial and it was like, I could have a whole new lifestyle with HomePods. Oh my gosh, you put this little thing in the, you know, in the room and it measures the room and perfectly you know, executes these sound waves that will give you this life experience. And like, I'm totally bought in. And you can talk to it and it does things for you, but wait, there's more. If you do two of these suckers in a room, they will now talk to each other and create the surround experience that and the commercial is just beautiful, like I'm weeping with joy at what possibly could be in my life. And I'm thinking, oh, this has got to be expensive. It's Apple. And I go way down. Website, research, page, 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 click, click, click. Finally, you get the prices, like $250 each. I can't. Can I? No, I can't. Can I? Right? That's the whole thing. That's just one product. Today, at these playoffs games, you're going to be just bombarded with dozens, if not hundreds of things to stretch and buy. But when we stretch is when we get in a little bit of trouble. Did we stretch to get the better house? Did we stretch to get the better house? Because there's a house we need, and we know the house we need. Then there's a house we really want. And then there's the house the bank says we can afford. That's what we qualify for, let's put it that way. And oftentimes, we will stretch to maximize. You know, like, what's the minimum down payment to get the maximum house? 
We stretch and then we stress. Did we stretch to get the better car, the better car? And because, you know, gosh, the cars out there are like works of art. I mean, truly, it's not, they're, they're no longer vehicles. They are computers with wheels that, yes, get us from A to B, but there's so much more in between, right? Did we stretch to get that better car? Did we stretch to get the better clothes? Because there's the clothes we need, and then the, there's the clothes that will really make us look, uh, what, bussin'? I don't know. My daughter's laughing at me. Did we stretch to get the, do we stretch to get the better tech, like I talked about earlier? Did we stretch to get the better toys or take that vacation, and now we're in debt? And so stretching, stretching, stretching to get these things that we're being told will allow us to live this life experience that we know we deserve, right? I mean, right? We deserve it all, right? Everybody in this room deserves all of it, right? And so we stretch and stretch. And that gets us stressed because now we're over-leveraged, and the, and the debt is there, and then we're arguing in the family about use of money and we're biting at each other. And then now because we're so much in debt, we can't do the things that we actually could do if we weren't in so much debt. And then we're buried. We're buried. That's the system. Now we can do one of two things. We could change the heart first. Okay, God, you know, I got myself in a little bit of trouble, a little over leveraged here, and I want to get out of that. Would you change my heart? And then maybe the money will follow. Or do we change the money and the heart will follow? So that's the question. Like, do we change our hearts to change how we relate with money? Jesus actually says the opposite. We just read this. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So what is Jesus saying? I mean, he's a master teacher. Follow the money. That's the first time ever spoken on earth. Follow the money from Jesus Christ. Follow the money. So if you want to get unburied, if you want to get out of the cycle of stretching, you want to get out of debt, you want to have a legacy in your life and generosity in your life, follow the money. Jesus says, put your money forward first and your heart will follow. I've said this before, but the first stock I ever bought was Apple. Because again, they, they own my soul. So I got a couple bucks, you know, put together. This is, I don't know, 25 years ago. And first stock I'm going to buy is Apple. I loved Apple, but when my money went to Steve Jobs, like, Stevie, don't screw this up. It's like, it's like $500. <laughs> don't mess this up. I, I, I need that, right? And so when our money goes somewhere, um, to our home, to a stock, our heart follows. We're invested, not just in money, but here. We're invested. So uh, we're going to move real fast here. So you're going to get a lot of stuff, and I apologize in advance, but four places our money can go first that our heart will follow. Ready? Number one, I want my heart to feel free from the stresses of too much debt. If that's what you want, if you're up to here, maybe some of you are absolutely buried, some of you, you're just barely making it, and you want your heart free from the stresses of too much debt, know that there's a plan. There's a plan for freedom. Proverbs 22, seven, the borrower is a servant to the lender. The borrower is a servant to the lender. Now we know this, right? These are the biblical principles that we know and live. The Bible does not necessarily teach us to live debt-free, but the Bible teaches us not to be buried by debt. Not to be buried by debt. The Bible is clear that the lender is the master. The lender is the master. The borrower, the debtor is the slave, and too much debt erodes the soul. 
There have been times in our own family life where we were in too much debt, particularly too much credit card debt, and, and that starts to really weigh on you because that interest is, I don't know what it is, you know, like 19, 24, 26. I've heard incredible numbers that bury people. And usually with credit card debt, we bought kind of junk. It was cool at the time. It ends up just being corroding junk. And here we are paying double or triple the price because it's such high interest and it's killing us, right? I get that. Now, the Bible doesn't say to live debt-free, but the Bible says don't get yourself stretched, don't get yourself buried, and watch how we acquire debt. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's an entire system of debt, and it's around what's called the year of Jubilee. So um, essentially, agrarian culture, they would leverage, they would go into debt to buy farms. And the expectation was that by every Jubilee, which was every 50 years, you'd pay it off. No debt was forgiven. But it was expected every 50 years, the entire nation would do a mortgage burning. So the whole culture was like, hey, sometimes you have to get into debt, particularly to you know, acquire a farm or to, to, to grow your farm. But by the year of Jubilee, which is coming up on a date certain, pay it off. So the Bible teaching is clear. Pay it off by this date, then the whole place would celebrate. So the Bible's not anti-debt, but just be very careful about debt. So here's some best practices about debt. It's okay, even biblically, uh, to, to go into debt for a house. I don't know maybe two people who could, you know, save enough cash to write a check for a house. I just don't know too many people, especially their first house. You know, as you go and invest and, you know, pay it off, that, that's great down the road. But their first house, I don't know of anybody, maybe one or two, who could write a check for their first house. And that money came from mommy and daddy. So let's just be clear. Probably okay to go into debt to buy a house. It is an appreciating asset with a lower interest rate. So that's, that's, that's okay. It, it, that asset usually over time appreciates interest rates pretty low. Just don't, you know, don't stretch on your house. To go into debt to buy a car, for most people, it's a requirement because, again, most people can't just write a check for a car. Just be real careful on, on the car because statistically, it's the worst thing to go into debt for because it is a deeply depreciating asset, and usually the interest rate's a little bit, you know, higher. That's the worst case, worst case. But, you know, for most people, they have to go into debt to buy a car. Just, again, don't stretch, you know. It's not like your status symbol is the car you drive. It, if we think more intellectualize this, I need something to get from A to B, then we'll be wise about our car. Um, do not go into debt for tech, clothes, vacations, furniture. Just don't. Uh, have debt well below what you qualify for. If the bank says you can qualify here, don't borrow here. Always borrow below that. Never carry credit card debt ever, 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 ever. Young people, ever, never, ever. We've had that. I mean, the average household has about $6,800 in credit card debt at 20-some percent interest, tossing money away. Just light it up. It's more fun to just burn money in, in the street, right, than to have credit card debt. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. If you're in it, there's a way out of it. We'll talk about it in a minute. And if you're in it, you're normal. And we've been there. Uh, pay down um, debt, all debt, faster than the amortization schedule. Whatever debt you have, house, cars, credit cards, pay more than you owe. Always, always, always. It's just good practice, and you will watch 
that debt, you know, so, so let's say you have a 30-year mortgage on your house, you pay an extra, if you can, a couple hundred bucks a month, that thing's gonna, gonna drop real quick and now that house is gonna become more of an investment and your future will be brighter. If the minimum payment's 100 bucks for a credit card, you're paying 111, right? If your mortgage is 2,500, you're paying 28 if you can, right? Just pay more every time you can. It's just a good habit. Uh, be sure debt doesn't go past retirement, if at all possible, no debt past retirement. You wanna retire at 68, your whole life plan is zero debt, not even a mortgage at 68. That's freedom, freedom, freedom. Now, here we are, you know, let's say halfway through this sermon, and you're like, I have failed at all this. I just, we, we do everything you just said don't do, right? I get that, you're normal. There's a way out, there's totally a way out, there is freedom. Uh, you ready? Here we go. <clears throat> Number one, <clears throat> sell blank to pay down debt. Sell your blank. You've got it all over the place. Sell it. Offer up. Offer up is, is a best friend, right? Download the Offer Up app. It, it, it'll take you 30 seconds to put your blank online. Click, click, type, type, type. Off you go. And you'll get people making your offers and you'll clear out your blank. And every single dollar that you get for your blank, you pay off your highest interest debt. Sell it, gone, go. Pay off high interest debt first. Whatever your highest interest card is, that what, that's what goes first. Get some early wins under your belt. Like, oh, yeah, I knocked out you know, 500 bucks on that credit card. That's gonna start feeling good. Then you're gonna be, your heart's gonna go more towards freedom than towards, towards the blank in your life, right? Uh, consolidate debt if you can. Consolidate debt if you can. If you can. Now, you might have a few credit cards out there, you know, consumer credit card debt, that's let's say 25% interest rate. Bank X might say, hey, listen, you can, you can consolidate all that debt, pay it off for a lower interest rate, let's say 14, 15%, something like that, right? And you go, oh, that's a good deal. It is a good deal if, if, if you don't get into more debt as a result because Bank X is gonna say, hey, you can consolidate $20,000 worth of debt, but you qualify for $10,000 more. Like, ooh, I can buy more stuff. No, stop. Stop the cycle. Nope, I'm just gonna pay, borrow what I owe. I'm gonna consolidate this debt, lower interest rate, and then I'm going after it, paying more than the amortization schedule. Always, always pay more than the minimum payments. We talked about that. And then here's a, uh, a tough one is downgrade your car. Downgrade your car. Now, some of you love your cars, and they are great cars. They are great cars. I regretted one car purchase. One, there's a truck. Um, just life circumstances, we could totally afford it, bought it. Uh, I think I, I've bought one or two new cars in my life, and this was one of them. And um, always wanted it. Again, we could afford it. Got it, loved it for 45 days. And then it just kind of got, you know, it's just, just a truck. But those bills kept coming after 45 days. I'm like, um, I started feeling just, this just isn't quite right. And uh, fortunately, the used car market got pretty solid and I got rid of that thing and I downsized. So just real quick to put, you know, meat on this bone, 350 to 150 Lariat to XLT. I love my 150 XLT. It's just exactly what we need, right? It tows what I want to tow, carries what I want to carry. It's not flashy. It's like the most vanilla car out in the parking lot but it gets me, I live two miles away. Why do I need this thing to drive two miles back and forth, right? 
Just didn't need it, over time didn't want it, and really couldn't wait to get rid of it. So downgrade your car. You might find a lot of freedom there. And these are all just suggestions, just suggestions. Again, take this or leave this, right? I'm pretty good at the Bible stuff, maybe so-so at the financial planning stuff, so take it or leave it. Um, So want my heart free from debt. Second, and we're moving faster here. I want my heart to be more content because you might feel at angst. Your heart might be a little bit at angst. I want, I want, I want. You see a commercial, I want, I want, I want, and I deserve, deserve, deserve. I want my heart to be more content. Listen to what Jesus says, Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up treasure here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Treasure in heaven, uh, don't think about like you're gonna get rewards in heaven. I hate that reward in heaven thing. I'm just telling you, I I hate it with a passion because it's like, here's the deal. Oh, don't buy things now because God's going to give you like a bigger mansion later. It's like, that's still as materialistic as any dumb thing ever. It's like, no. Reward in heaven means relationship. Value relationship. Value love. Love of your family and be content, right? Value love for your neighbor and be content. You know, love for humanity and be content, right? That's the treasure in heaven. And listen to what the proverb says about this. And this is just pure, spirit-inspired, genius. Proverbs 13, seven. Some who are poor pretend to be rich. That's what it means to stretch. Where we have this income, but we wanna project that we're actually here. And so some poor pretend that they're rich buy things they shouldn't buy, go places they shouldn't go, not living within their means, not content, but we wanna project that we are, in our minds, we wanna project we're of more value than our paycheck. And I get that, I get that, it's normal, but at some point we gotta say, no, this, this has gotta go. We want a heart that's content. Listen to what it says then later. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. That's what you wanna be. You wanna be rich pretending to be poor, that's the goal, right? And by rich, I don't mean tons and tons of money. I just mean you have money here, but you live here. That's the goal. That's real wealth. That's wealth of the heart. It's like, I I have this income. I don't have to pretend like I'm richer than I am. I want to actually pretend like I'm poorer than I am, right? If I make this, I'm going to live here. And who cares what people think about the car I drive? Who cares what people think about, oh, I don't get to go to this vacation or that vacation? Who cares that I just wear normal clothes, right? That's freedom. That's like heart level, soul level freedom. And that's an awesome place to be. Um, I happen to be friends with some people who are very, very wealthy. And um, I'm telling you, it is jeans and t-shirt type stuff, right? And that's, that's when you know somebody's free. They make good money and they're living here and they are free. They are free. So want, strive to be a rich person pretending to be poor. No matter how much money you make, Try to be a rich person. And by poor, it's not like pauper. It's just, you know, live below your means. Here's best practices in terms of contentment, right? Contentment means that we are going to start saving money. Saving money. Here's how to do that, starting from ground zero. Number one, audit your spending. Audit your spending. Most families don't know what they spend money on. They don't know it. They just spend, and their life goes over and over and over and just spend. So most families don't know, if I were to ask you, uh, list all of the monthly subscriptions, audio, entertainment, TV, list them. Could you do it? We just don't know what we're spending money on. We signed up and this just goes. Do you know how much money you spend going out every month? You know that number. 
I do, <laughs> not you, us. I suspected, because this is years and years and years ago, we had a budget, but it was a budget really about moderately educated budget about what we thought we were spending. And we had this line item, going out, out to eat, line item. It was a certain number, reasonable number, probably a little higher than I would like, but a reasonable number. Then my wife and I sat down and actually audited how much we spend going out. It was over double that number. I'm not gonna tell you the number because it is a shame I will take with me to the grave. Only Jenny and I know, and you will never know what that number was. It's the high part of our going out to eat. And keep in mind, we got four kids and we are busy every day. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, let's just swing by this and oh, let's just swing by that. We never ate any place nice. I mean, do we just ate food, right? But it adds up in, to an incredible number. And when we were shocked by that number because we did a little odd, it's like, okay, we can knock off like a lot of that. And we have more money than we even know because it's just going and going and going. Um, and so whether subscriptions or eating out or whatever it is, you know, audit what you spend. Uh, and then save monthly for life. Save monthly for life. For you uh, youth over there, if you don't have a job yet, save every single time you get money. Every single time, whether you're young or old. You get your first babysitting gig, take some of that and save it. You get some Christmas money, take some of that and save. Save, every time you get money, you're saving. Auto save. This little banking app, I mean, every bank's got an app. Just, it, this, this app runs my life, right? I'm gonna open it up and see what, if there's any embarrassing things that pop up. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to know that. But this app runs my life, this banking app. Autosave was, was wonderful for us because there's some bills that came for us quarterly. Our insurance was quarterly and property taxes, semi-annual. And, and then, you know, you need tires and oh, that's a big crisis and car registration. So bills don't always come super easy. So we took all of our uh, uneven bills throughout the course of the year, added about 10%, and then every single paycheck, we autosave the equal amount. Since we've done that, and this has been a very long time we've done that, we've never once been... Uh, caught off guard by a bill or an unexpected expense that pops up because we auto save. Oh yeah, it's right there. It's right there. Property tax is right there, right? Insur insurance is right there. Auto registrations is right there. It is like a lifesaver because here's the deal for the Treadway family and I'm gonna be open, honest, and vulnerable. If we have it, we're gonna be spending it. That's how it works. We has it, we spends it. <laughs> that's, that's it. If it's here, you know, we try to be good. We're not dumb. But if, it just is, if it's here, we spend. So it's like the more we can auto get out, you know, the better. So, you know, 401k, auto out. Uh, 503b, auto out. Uh, savings, auto out. Just get it done. My goal in financial managing the Treadway House is to make sure we don't actually touch any of it. You know, bills get paid, all auto, auto. Savings, auto, auto. We have a little bit of money to do this or that, but we don't see it. And then that's how we manage our life. And these apps are just awesome. And honestly, banks are actually pretty good about helping you manage your money and giving you the tools to do it uh, responsibly. So that's kind of cool. Auto save for the big purchases. Uh, and then best practice is that three to six months of liquid cash on hand. Uh, the experts say that because that's about how long it takes to get a job if you happen to lose your job. So the whole point is have enough cash to uh, you know, manage your household while you look for the next job. Whatever your job situation is, it might be different than that. Um, just make sure you have some liquid cash around so that, again, you're not panicking or going into credit card debt if there's a, a change. Uh, third, you, be, you want your heart to be wise about the future. This goes to investment. 
I want my heart to be wise about the future. Proverbs 13, 11, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work, what? Grows over time. That's investing. Growing over time. Put your money to work. If you just save cash, you are losing about 3% a year. You're just losing money 3% a year. Invest. Invest as you're comfortable, right? If you need some help, get some help. Invest. Don't chase quick riches with risky bets. Um, crypto. It's a risky bet, right? Some people made a ton of money, maybe sold at the right time. I, we've got good friends who leveraged a lot to get crypto, and they are hurting bad right now. I mean, bad right now. If you have money that you don't even care about and could care less, if you get it back, if it's just like money that you don't need and you want to make a risky bet on an investment, a stock tip from Uncle Louie or some or crypto, fine. Knock yourself out. If you like invest it and I'm okay losing it, then do something if you want that's a little bit risky. But if you need that money, don't do risky bets. Uh, maybe don't day trade. Article the other day is like, day traders are really not doing great. Um, steady and smart wins the race. Steady, steady. So if the market drops, don't panic, right? Steady and smart. Diversify investments, stocks, bonds, exchange-traded funds. ETFs are, are really big, just full disclosure. That's kind of where most of our stuff is in ETFs. Uh, these are big pools of money uh, from millions of people in managed stocks, bonds, all kinds of you know, managed portfolios that are traded on the market and super low cost. So almost zero fees, um, just something to, to consider. Some of you like real estate, you know, we've done a little bit of that. Uh, retirement savings plans, absolutely go hard after that as much as you can in your 401ks uh, or 403bs. If your company matches funds, you must participate. That's a law. It's from God's mouth <laughs> through mine to yours. You have to. Don't leave money on the table. Do it. You have to. You have to. General principles, save about 10 to 15% of all your money for your whole life. You'll be fine. And I know that sounds easier to say, it's harder to do, but if you just save 10 to 15% of your money for your life, you'll be fine. Like stress-free life. Save about seven to 10 times your annual income at retirement age. Save about 25 times the amount you're planning on spending on retirement. So if you're planning on spending about 50,000 a year for retirement, you need 25 times that on the day you retire. It's about $1.2 million. Um, some of you are like, you're speaking language I don't understand, I have nothing. I have nothing. I get that, I'm just telling you, and have given you some tools. There's a way out, little by little, revamping your finances. Finally and quickly, I want a heart to do more good in the world. If you want a heart to do good in this world, the money's gotta follow. Actually, the money has to lead. Good that is done in this world happens through generosity of time and generosity of money. There's no way out of it. It's just the way it, ha it happens. That's how God designed it. You want to help people in need? It's going to take time, going to take money, period. End of discussion. So if you want to have a heart that's generous, start with the money. Start with the money. Acts 20, 35 says this. Help those in need by working hard. Work so that you can give just a little. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus says, listen, you are going to be blessed if you give. It's not even about the help that you're doing. It's about participating in the work of doing good. The heart is going to change. The heart is going to be blessed. The heart is going to be satisfied. And some of you are saying, I, Treadway, you're not hearing me. We don't have any money. We can't give. We've been there. Again, three young kids in diapers, one tiny little income, 
right? We didn't give on a regular basis. We would go to an event, like a charitable event around here or whatever, and we'd look at each other and go, oh, we have nothing. Can we do $20? Okay, we can do, I mean, this is the conversations we had when we were young and, and did not have any money. And then we'd just try to give a little tiny bit. Now, did we think when we gave a little tiny bit that we were moving the needle on global poverty? No, we're not moving the needle on global poverty. Some good is gonna happen by that $20 that we stretched to give at that time. But something good happened in us when we decided to give just a tiny little bit, right? Luke 21, two. Jesus saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins and he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. All the rich people who were bragging about how much they were giving, this poor widow put in two pennies. So even if you're struggling, and this is, I'm trying with every fiber in me, like zero guilt, zero anything, but you have two pennies? This poor widow had two pennies. She wasn't risking her household by giving two pennies. She may not have moved the needle on global poverty by giving two pennies, but she wanted to give two pennies. It did something in her to give two pennies, and that's what she did. And Jesus says, that's the hero of the day, somebody who's just giving something, just giving something. And so for us, whenever we had an increase in our income, we would choose, we're gonna save a little more and give a little more. Increase in income, give a little more, save a little more. And then over time, it's like, whoa, we're in a good savings place and we're in a good generosity place and we're gonna just keep doing that. And every time we just keep doing that, the more our income rises or the more expenses drop, we get to save a little more and give a little more. And I'm telling you, the peace and the satisfaction that comes with that is profound. Now, full disclosure, give me two minutes and we're out. Jenny and I have made the choice from the very beginning that we're giving to Rancho Church because Rancho Church is a church and we take care of each other. Uh, We take care of people in need. We have grace-based, Jesus-centered ministries for all ages, but we're also a humanitarian organization. Rancho Church is a humanitarian organization, which is very much unlike the vast, vast majority of churches. No judgment, just we've chosen this route. We are gonna be a humanitarian agency, not just a church. And so we have decided that as we give to Rancho, yes, we're giving to our church and we're giving to help each other and we're giving towards the ministries, but we are giving to help people in need locally and globally profoundly. And Rancho is a very unique place. This is not bragging, it's just to say how unique we are. We're a church and a school, did you know that? We're a church and a school. Our school is massive. One of the biggest, if not the biggest in the Inland Empire. Our school just floods this place with wonderful, beautiful children five days a week, all day, every day, and pays for a lot of this campus, right? The church has a little bit of overhead that we cover, but in terms of our church work, our overhead is very tiny. The church doesn't carry a single penny of debt, not one penny of it. And in terms of our departments, uh, we have departments that are run by volunteers. If you were to be introduced to our like staff hours, you go, oh, that's a lot of church for a few people. It is, and they work very, very hard. I'll give you one quick example. Every Sunday we get here, we've got this amazing crew here and this amazing tech, right? And there's a lot of people running a lot of tech. And you might notice they look very young. They're like kids running this te- child labor. It's all good when you're volunteering. It's all good. It's legal. But I mean, there's a lot of children here just running thousands of dollars worth of equipment and it looks fantastic. I mean, just the other day we were celebrating, it's like, man, our online deal is really dialed in. Yeah, it's a lot. It's David and his minions. That's what we call them. Now, there's a few adults doing great work too. But uh, 
We, all that to say is we really do, do try to watch the cost of guard every penny. And not only that, we have founded, partner with, and operate so many humanitarian agencies. We talked about Community Invention of Hope and Rancho Namasitas and Plus One Palawano and Imani Kenya. Uh, there's so many things that we have launched that, that help thousands and thousands and thousands feed people, house people, give medical aid to people all through Rancho Church. So when we celebrate generosity, and we did the other day, celebrate generosity for the year end, it's generosity that comes from us. It's generosity that comes from all the agencies that we have founded and operate. And it is a remarkable, profound work of God. That's the choice we made. Make the choice that you want. I never see what anybody gives ever, ever. Every once in a while, I'll send a thank you and all I see is names. And I send you a thank you for your generosity. I don't know if you gave two copper coins or if you gave $2 million. I might know if you gave $2 million. I might get that call. But um, I just try to be blind. And just to say, this is a community of generosity. And whatever you choose to do by God's guiding in your life and the heart that you want to have, you, you choose. If it's Rancho, if it's another uh, humanitarian organization or charitable organization, knock yourself out. The goal is a heart, a heart that is generous, a heart that is free from the stresses of debt, a heart that is content, right? That's what we want. Yeah? Sound good? That's what I want. Let's pray. God, we thank you for our time together. Um, as we talked about, it is not the most comfortable thing in the world to talk about money in church just because of the history of all that. And, um, but God, your word is so very clear that you want us to live free, free from crushing debt, uh, free from greed, always chasing more and more, free from identifying ourselves by what we own or what we earn, um, and free to be generous and to impact people in need. And not just that, but be blessed by the act of giving. Uh, so God, just do your work in every single one of our hearts, and uh, would you guide us into a place of freedom and uh, savings and investing and generosity, all the things that will make our lives simply better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.